Greetings and welcome to Union Street Hoops, a podcast dedicated to Valparaiso basketball and the Missouri Valley Conference. I am your host, Paul Oren, at NWI Oren on Twitter, and you can find Union Street Hoops on Apple Pods, Spotify, SoundCloud, and the award-winning NWI.com, as well as maybe some other places that you may find Union Street Hoops that I don't even know exist. Google Pods has it, a couple other places as well. So, Thrilled to be here. It's September 21st. In two months and four days, college basketball is back. It's been a while since we've been here on Union Street Hoops. Part of that was just, you know, life with uh, with everything that was going on here. We did the Crusader mascot conversation. Um, you know, at one point, I'd, uh, I'd reached out to a handful of former Valpo basketball players and, and got some, some testimonials about Rod Moore and his passing. And uh, sadly, uh, my phone decided to do a reset on me and, uh, and I lost all of the audio for that. And I I was just frustrated and, and saddened by that again with the the loss of Rod Moore is a tough, tough loss. Um, You know, I I don't think we've had a podcast episode since then. I know the last episode we talked about how we were out looking for Rod and, uh, and sadly um, did not, uh, you know, Rod passed and uh, it's tough, tough news. So, you know, looking ahead here, this isn't, it's odd because it's September, right? We should be getting excited and ready for Valpo basketball season. Yet there, for me, at least still, there's this lingering connection to the past. And I guess for, for me, one of the reasons why I just wasn't doing the podcast for a while was I didn't know which way was up and which, which way was down, right? I was just kind of dis discombobulated with the whole situation, right? Like not having an NCAA tournament and all of that, it just, it it threw me for a loop. And then baseball didn't start when it was supposed to and basketball restarted up again. I'm a Milwaukee Bucks fan and that was tough to watch them lose to the heat. And it just, it, everything has been kind of sideways a little bit, right? The NFL being back has actually helped quite a bit because now it feels like there's a bit of normalcy there. I still don't know what's going on with baseball. There's eight games to go in a 60-game season, and then half the teams make the playoffs. It doesn't feel real. The NBA feels a little disjointed with you know with the finals. When's the NBA draft going to be? What if Javon Freeman Liberty had kept his name in the draft? Would he be like this? Would be insane. Football being back has led to a little bit of clarity, I think, in my sports calendar. Now, college football is kind of back. It's interesting. I have not watched any of college football because it doesn't feel real because I'm a Wisconsin fan and I cover Valpo and neither one of those teams are playing. Yet, if you're a Notre Dame fan, I think you probably feel like this is normal. You're just playing non-conference games or whatever you're doing, and uh, you kind of get to be the champion of your own thing. So... um, I've just I've I have felt disjointed a little bit um, with with everything that's been going on, right? And uh, I, you know, I it's time to snap out of that, right? Basketball is coming back. November twenty fifth is the start date, and even before we had the start date, I kind of reached out to Matt Loddick and I said, Matt, Coach Loddick, here's the deal: we haven't done Union Street hoops in a while. I would like to do an episode where I sit down with you and we just talk about everything and leave no stone unturned. Let's talk about everything. And we, we, you know, we, we did it this morning. 
And it was interesting because we were in his office. We both had masks on. We're doing our jobs. So, you know, we were, we're far across. I think the audio sounds a little a little off. Uh, I've tried to boost Matt as much as I could. One of the reasons is, again, we were kind of sitting far away from each other. And, uh, and I don't think I was, I was ready for what that would mean for the audio levels. But I wanted to sit down with Matt. We talked for about 40 minutes. And we just talk a little bit about everything. And I think you'll enjoy the conversation. And... It's odd because I just I, I feel like we've lost so much with sports going the way that they did that I'm trying to force myself to like get excited about the upcoming basketball season without knowing what like what does that mean? Do we get to experience basketball the way that we're all used to? Will there be fans in the stands? And, and I'll be the first to tell you, Matt doesn't know the answer to that question right now. And, and, and that's, and, and it's, we kind of talked about that beforehand. So I don't even really ask him about that. And we, we hint at it later on, Uh, but you know, there's just some things that we just don't know right now. Will there be fans at the games? If not, what does that look like? And, uh, what, what were the game? Will, will there even be games at the arc? Right. And it sounds like there will be, and Matt will talk about that much later on, but there's a lot of other topics that I wanted to talk with him. I wanted to ask about the impact that COVID and everything has had on the program. I wanted to talk about George Floyd and, and the impact that those conversations that, that came from that had on the program. More basketball-related stuff, I wanted to ask about Javon Freeman Liberty and what that meant. You know, we talked about Matt. We talked with Matt briefly when this all went down, but never really publicly on, on a podcast here. And, uh, and, and how do you move forward? And Talking about moving forward, we ask Matt, or I ask Matt, what, when did the page turn from one calendar to the next, right? When, when did suddenly Valpo basketball stop being about Ryan Fazekas, John Kaiser, and Javon Freeman Liberty and start being about Connor Barrett and Jacob Ognasevic and uh, Sheldon Edwards and Good News Capigal and all those guys, you know, the, the, and, and that, that change happened. So here's the interview with Matt Loddick. I'll be the first to tell you that I was out of practice and I cut off the first 20 seconds of the introduction of basically me introducing Matt, who you already know, and Matt saying, hello, I'm glad to be here. And then, so the first thing you'll hear is the first question that I asked, and uh, and we'll go from there. So here is a 40-minute conversation with Valparaiso head basketball coach, Matt Loddick. We're now in, in the offseason. We've been in it for a long time, but the transition in this year just felt different. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the, the no NCAA tournament, your season kind of ending the way that it did within limbo or, or whatever. Then you had Freeman Liberty left quarantine. The freshmen didn't get to campus at a normal time. When did the page get turned? Like from, from the 1920 year to the 2021 year? <laughs> well, the, um, you know, it, it changed in stages, right? So um, we were able to, to voluntary, volunteer, begin voluntary workouts after the fourth. And uh, that's what the NCAA allowed. And, but it didn't mean that the university was going to allow it. Um, so um, I think that they looked at the picture as a whole um, and said, you know, it's important that our guys get back to campus um, and just kind of start some normalcy. So uh, we weren't actually allowed to get on the court with them, but they were allowed to get back in a gym. They had to wear a mask. Uh, but they could they could be in our our facility um, on a very limited basis. You know, it was one guy, one ball, uh, one hoop, 
and uh, the protocol, you know, afterwards, you know, wiping everything down and, and we slowly progressed to there. And, um, you know, after we'd all gotten tested and, and really we got back to um, campus as, as a, a university, meaning classes started, other students were here, they allowed us to, to start picking up and getting back into um, normal. So we've been practicing, um, you know, in limited hours, uh, but. So thinking back to the Arch Madness, because that's, again, really the last time we've, we've done this, um, did, did you get a chance to break down that game like you normally would, or was did, did just life kind of get put on the hold right away? Well, you have a lot of time to break down the film. <laughs> um, you know, what was neat is, you know, what I wanted and the goal really of all last year, and, and I knew, you know, we were going to be, um, you know, inexperienced, and guys were going to be in different roles and asked to do different things, was just by the end of the year, we'd be playing our best basketball. And I don't think that, you know, anyone could deny by the end of the year, we were really playing well, and we were a really good team. And, you know, do you want those seven minutes, those last seven minutes back against Bradley? Absolutely. Um, you know, and I think people look at, and the way I, you know, initially felt, man, they went to that zone and all this, this, and, you know, really it was, um, I think Bradley had gotten three offensive rebounds on three consecutive possessions that had led to baskets, and we didn't. You know, so those are things that I think, you know, shots are going to come and go. You know, zones are going to be in, they're going to be out, but, you know, we needed to block out better in those seven minutes and finish that game stronger from a, a rebounding perspective, and I think we win. If you would have won, you would have, quote-unquote, gone to the NCAA tournament. But then the NCAA tournament was taken away. And I know that you're always going to want to say that you would have rather have won that game and, and done all that. But, like, do you talk to do you talk to the coaches at all? Has, has Wardle said anything about what it feels like to have gotten to that thing and then not actually get to go? Like, I feel like that would be almost more painful than the pain of losing that game. Again, I say that from an outsider's perspective. Yeah. I mean, obviously we would have wanted to win. Um, but I'll tell you, um, he hasn't mentioned it, but you, you really feel for the kids. You know, those are, um, especially, you know, a guy like Daryl Brown being a senior year. It helps that they went the year before. It does. But. It does. Um, but again, now they had some experience and they were in a close game against Michigan State the year before, you know, maybe they could have won a game. Um, that would have been great for the league. So, uh, you feel for them, you know, coaches, hopefully we, uh, you never take anything for granted, but you hopefully get another opportunity. And um, but but the players, I mean, they're the ones that really have a limited time. They're co-national champions, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, sure. so, and and there's no saying that you wouldn't have gotten an at-large either, because then we never had a selection show. So sure. <laughs> just however you want to look at it. We'll take it. Um, this you know a, a lot happened over the summer with COVID. And then with a lot of, you know, there was a lot of starting to talk about social justice and college basketball and its role there. And I know that there were times that you and I had conversations away from this, but I guess as we transition back into the job again, how much do you want to take from what we've all learned over the summer or seen over the summer into your role now as the basketball coach? I mean, obviously we talk about election day, all that teams are making that thing, but what kind of, I guess, conversations or, or just kind of ideas have you had moving forward? Well, you know, when initially when everything happened, you know, the George, George Floyd incident and, um, you know, I think everyone had just kind of an individual, uh, personal feeling about it. And, 
uh, my message um, to, to the players, to the families was, look, however you're feeling, it's justified. You know, it's, we, we've got to all try to get better. We've got to, um, you know, come together in this moment and, and talk it out. So if there's a feeling of anger, you know, let's talk about it. If there's, um, you know, a feeling of just confusion, let's talk about it. Um, and so I wanted to get that message across. Um, and I wanted, um, you know, especially all our African-American players to, to, to just hear the message from me that I got your back no matter what. I love you. I care for you. Um, and especially really to our freshmen, our incoming freshmen. I mean, you know, we had Sheldon Edwards um, in Florida, right? And he's going to have to come, you know, to Valparaiso, Indiana, a place that he visited one time on a recruiting trip. And, you know, all this stuff is happening. And so um, you're just trying to keep everyone together and, and really the unique opportunity, I think, that sports allows, right? It's, it's, it's one of the more integrated areas of our, um, of our, our country. And, um, you know, just to be an example. And um, I think our guys have done a good job of that. The institution's been great. And, um, you know, we've been able to move forward. These were a lot of difficult conversations to have. Uh, and I don't know if difficult is the right word. Productive conversations to have. But these conversations happened over Zoom, mm -hmm. where you couldn't be in the room and, and hug your, your players or anything like that or, or be there. Not just with, with the fallout from George Floyd, but any of this stuff. What was the Zoom culture like for your guys? Um, it was, I mean, I guess everyone's kind of gotten used to it. Yeah. I think the Zoom culture was just kind of the norm. Um, but, you know, I do think that, you know, one of the things that we've all got to be careful of, right, is, is as, you know, this becomes more and more uh, normal, right, the Zoom stuff that we don't, um, undervalue what human interaction does and how valuable it is. Um, and so, again, you know, we were all isolated for a time, um, but we fortunately um, were able to kind of get back together maybe sooner than other people were allowed. And so, you know, that hug didn't happen that day of, you know, the George Floyd incident, um, but it happened sooner than maybe it did for other people. And so, um, you know, that was, that was a blessing for sure. You could take this question specifically. You can take this broadly. How has COVID-19 impacted the Valpo basketball program? Um, you know, I, I think it's affected us um, in the same way it's affected everyone, right? So, um, you know, obviously there was, you know, an abrupt end of the season. Um, it was shorter than we anticipated. Um, there was no off-season workouts. Um, you know, there was a lot of reliance on guys individually to get better, um, you know, to, you know, get in the weight room and, and, or maybe they weren't even afforded that opportunity, you know, depending on certain situations. Um, you know, it affected our jobs from a recruiting component, right? We had had a head start on recruiting. There were guys that we had identified that we wanted, um, but there was no going to a gym to see them. There was no AAU season. Um, and so now you're using technology to recruit and, you know, try to watch film and, um, so it affected us that way. Um, so, I mean, again, it's, I think, affected everyone. Um, and everyone's kind of got the same playing field. It's been pretty level. I don't think anyone's getting an unfair advantage. Um, but, um, you know, the hard part was just not seeing guys every day. Mm -hmm. That was the hardest part. I like to think that, you know, we are um, a relationship-driven program. And 
you know, relationships where you're not around each other, they get harder. So um, it affected us that way. But again, it's, it's great to be back and really love the guys that we got. Because I don't know the answer to this question. Do you have any idea what Ryan Fazekas and John Kaiser are doing with their lives right now? So Ryan took a job um, um, out east. You know, he is going to be um, hopefully training to be um, uh, a law enforcement agent um, at the federal level. Perfect. Which is awesome. And um, John is um, at an engineering firm in Indy. He's actually living at home right now, saving money, but got a great job um, and, and enjoying life. He had a... I think he had a, a rec league game where he played with Nick Davidson. And from what I heard, he had 38 points in his first game. <laughs> just those two guys. Um, and I'm just trying to even remember who all the, you know, they're gone and now Javon's gone. And I don't know if anyone else is gone, but because uh, I haven't been around. But uh, those two guys, just kind of touch on, on what they've meant to you. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, with Ryan, uh, I'll start with him, you know, just having, you know, the relationship with him from recruiting him in high school to, you know, getting him back here and just the roller coaster ride of his career. And then awesome, just had an awesome finish. You know, I was really happy for him. And uh, most people don't know this, but Ryan Fazekas ended up leading the nation in three-point field goal percentage, 49.5%. Wow. I, I, yeah, I don't think I knew that. Amazing? Yeah, led the nation. Um, and, you know, and then there's always that what if with him. Right, I mean, because he was when we came in the lineup, we were awfully good. Yeah, and, um, you know, what if he'd not gotten hurt? But he did, and um, so I'm I'm glad that um, he was able to come home, come to the region, have some success, um, and really in a rough patch in the program, right? And he was able to 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 kind of you know right the ship, and and proud of that. And then, you know, John. I mean, John's the first player. It's been four years, you know, for me as a head coach, and. I think he's going to go down in, in Valpo history. Um, I don't think there's many people that follow our program that don't love John Kaiser yeah. and, and what he was able to do um, every single day that he was here. And um, So all the praise that he's getting, um, it's deserved. I mean, he's, he's a better person, a better teammate than he was even portrayed to be. And um, I, I got a big spot for John Kaiser. And you know, we, we keep trying to find him, find, find another one, find another Kaiser, find another Fazekas. So. Is, is that the, uh, I, I've heard that around the recruiting. It's like, we got to find another John Kaiser. And, and um, you know, I'm sure you also look for another Javon Freeman Liberty. And and, and he leaves and, uh, and you know, he's going back home. It's, it's tough. How do you pick up the pieces from that? Because you filled the spot pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. How... Does it come as a as a shock? Does it then then how quickly do you fill that? Uh, you know, I guess it, it it was able to be filled quickly, Paul, because really I was told um, much earlier that that he was a hundred percent going to stay in the draft, and and so okay, you know. I, tried to kind of get the most as much information as we could about whether that's a good decision or not. And um, so we did have a feeling that he was going to be gone, you know, that he wanted to go professional and, and, um, um, and that he felt that that was best for his family and him. So, um, you know, we recruited. And, um, and then uh, I did get a call. Um, I'm taking my name out. Great. I think that's a good decision. Uh, but I'm transferring. It's kind of like a, oh, yes, yeah. oh, no moment. Yeah, and, you know, it's 
it, you know, I'm sure there's a lot that goes into that. Um, you know, he, he did a lot for us, um, but I do think we added a good player. Um, it's actually, you know, pretty similar in a lot of ways. Um, but uh, we're not going to worry about people that left. We're going to focus on the guys that are still here. And, and you know, there was a, um, you know, a lot of people that left the year before that. And um, I think there was a lot of conversations it's about, you know, what are they going to do without these guys? And, you know, things ended up being fine. And ultimately, you want people that want to be here. And if you want to be here and you appreciate what this place is for what it is, man, you're gonna you're gonna have a lot of fun. You're gonna win a lot of games. And I don't. It feels odd talking about Ryan and John and Javon in September, but it also it doesn't feel like September right now, right? Like I don't I don't I don't know where we are on the calendar because everything keeps getting moved around. Speaking of the calendar, though, we have a date, November 25th. They finally put it down in writing. When you hear that date, whether you heard it for the first time when everybody else did, or you knew it was coming, or whatever. Does this is this like a, a, a chip off the shoulder? Does this feel like a relief now that you've got a start date and and then what is the next steps you take from there? Yep, no, it, it, it's a relief, right? Because um, you know, operating with um, you know things that aren't in concrete, right? It, it's tough, you know, especially you know the players. Well, when are we playing our first game? Well, I don't know. You know, are there going to be fans there? I don't know. You know, once practice, I don't know. And, and and that's hard because there's just not something to look forward to. So having a date is is important. Um, you know, being able to tell our senior class, like, you're going to have a senior season is important. And so um, we're excited about that. Um, you know, we had an idea that it was going to happen. And, you know, now we can, you know, take those steps to, you know, being able to perform um, on those dates. So, um it's, it's important. We're excited. Um, you know, guys have been working really hard, and, and we want to you know, get back out on the court for sure. What are you allowed to do now? Is, is, are you allowed to do, like, normal things right now, or is there still, like, a COVID cloud hanging over everything? So, uh, you know, first and foremost, that, you know, safety is our number one concern. So um, the NCAA has, you know, recommended, um, you know, testing protocols, and, um, you know, the Valpo basketball team is – is following those, you know, so um, we're getting tested. Um, and um, so we follow those protocols right now. Um, we are starting as of today, Monday, you know, the 21st, we are allowed 12 um, hours as opposed to eight. And that's new. That's a change. Typically, um, you're allowed eight until your first practice week, and then you're allowed 20 hours. So we're allowed eight. Um, and so we're going to have four practices this week, two hours each. And um, and then uh, the remaining four hours will be in the weight room um, and strength and conditioning. So, um, and then we'll do that until I believe October 14th. And then we will start our 20, um, 20 hour weeks. And kind of a behind the scenes character that very rarely would get any love in the press. Derek Bull has moved on. Mm-hmm. You now have Bobby Brooks working with them. Bobby Brooks has been around forever. And, and longtime Valpo fans will know that, that Bobby worked with the team 12, 13 mm-hmm. years ago, uh, just really all you can do for a lot of the stuff is doing the weightlifting stuff. How cool is it to kind of have Bobby back in the fold? I, you know, Bobby's been great. The guys like it. Um, uh, anyone who knows Bobby knows that he's a straight shooter. No nonsense. Yeah. Guy. And I think, um, I think our guys have really, um, kind of adopted that personality in the weight room and, you know, ultimately, and, and Bob says this, so I'm not you know, putting words in his mouth, but you know, everyone's got a good strength and conditioning program. And um, what Bob does, I think, is, you know, hold guys' feet to the fire, gets them confident, gets them big. And, um, 
and and keeps them you know healthy. And so um, it's been a it's been a nice transition. And Bob's doing a great job, and, and the guys really like him. So you talk about you have a date now. Um, I know that there's probably still a number of committees that all these things got to go through. But do you have a, a schedule in mind? I mean, I know you probably can't announce it here, but do you right now know when you're playing your first game? I believe so. Okay. So in, in and I know there's probably a little bit of frustration on the fan base, but but believe me, it's 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 nice to have that date. Um, the difficult part is, right? No schools want teams to travel, um, you know, commercially, right? So, um, you know, people that you might have been had on the schedule is kind of like, hey, can we push this back here, and can we do this? And then maybe people that you had on the schedule prior to the twenty fifth date, right? What are you doing with them? You know, how are you fitting them in? And um, and we're just working on it. We're really close. I will say that we're really, really close. Um, we're waiting to hear back from a couple schools, uh, but. Um, you know, that's all I can say right now, but it's, it's it's really close. I think Andy Katz tweeted out the other day that the Valley was going to start playing December 30th, mm-hmm. and uh, and and all of that looks like it's going to happen as normal. Again, you can those are regional teams, you know, and, and so that's that's good. There's been all this floating stuff about a bubble here and there. Duke said they want to have a bubble in their place and all of that. Is, 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 is that something you guys have looked into at all, or is that? So there's... Um... To answer your question, yes, and we've been contacted by a couple bubble opportunities, and uh, this is more, you know, for the non-conference season. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, how that would look is they would just kind of like the NBA is doing. I mean, have a bubble. You'd get there, you test, um, and you play your games. Um, you know, right now we haven't committed to that because we haven't needed to, um, and I don't. I hope we won't need to, to be honest with you. Um, but um, you know, we're exploring all opportunities, uh, but. You know, the way it, it, we're going to be able to play, um, instead of 31 games, we're going to be able to play 28. You know, so there's going to be three less games. There's a 27. I thought it was 25, but if you were in a multi-team tournament, yeah, right. that you would count yeah, as, yeah. as a few. You, you get the three, yep. And you guys were set for the Nashville thing mm-hmm. at one point. So, um, all right, I want to talk about the roster for upcoming season as we kind of wind down our, our talk here. Um, I get in trouble with comparisons a lot. I, I've I've compared guys in the past that have bit me. I've I've over <laughs> yeah, you have. I've I've overvalued and undersold lots of times. <laughs> that said, that's that's what people click on. So let's talk about it. When I look at Donovan Clay and Ben Cricky, mm-hmm. they're young, mm-hmm. but and, and I'm not comparing them to either one of these players. But I think of that kind of two man build and grow together that Alec Peters and Jabril Adekoya had. You know, post players down low uh, that were versatile that could become some match out matchup nightmares a little bit. They're not the same, obviously, but you've got two sophomores now that got a lot of experience as freshmen, and it feels like these guys are primed to take a jump forward. With albeit with a lot of experience pieces, Aaron and Nick mm-hmm. and Daniel around them, mm-hmm. but when I look at this team, I see Donovan as, and Ben as the two guys that really kind of stand out. I know you probably worry about all 17 of these guys, but, but I guess what stands out to you when you look at the, the, the roster on the page as it's constructed right now? Well, I think you're right. I mean, I think, um, you know, both Donovan and Ben are, um, you know, they had fantastically productive freshman years. And then, you know, usually there's a big jump from freshman to sophomore year. For, so for you to have that optimism about them, I mean, I don't, I don't think you're off at all. Um, and they've worked extremely hard. Donovan and Ben are both a lot stronger, um, and you 
know, they're just kind of growing into their bodies. Um, you know, Donovan is is about as versatile a player probably as we've ever had here. Um, you know, he is very comfortable in the post. He is, you know, we played him at point guard before. If you remember in overtime at the Drake game. Yes. He played point guard. So um, we're going to move him around a lot and put him in a lot of situations. Um, and we're excited about that. Um, I love the pieces that we have. I mean, I really, really do. I think um, we have a lot of length. We have a lot of athleticism. Um, we have some skill. Um, our young guys are are catching up quick, um, and I think we've got you know we've got a an opportunity to be pretty good. You know, we've got to continue to have that mindset we had last year of just trying to get better every single day and keep grinding through it. But but this group wants to do that, um, and so it's been a lot of fun to coach. I think of the teams that have been successful in the Valley and they've had experienced point guards. Daniel is a player who's now been in the program for a couple of years. He's unquestionably the leader of this. Just watch him the way that he, he, he is around his guys. He was a guy that I thought could have mentally been lost midway through last year. He pulled him out of the lineup and I don't think you make it to the title game without Daniel Saki. I think he played he played amazing in that mm-hmm. tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, how does he take the next step in his game? Well, you know, I think it, it is interesting because he started so well last year. Um, and then, you know, I don't know what it was, you know, hit a you know, lull just maybe being a sophomore. Um, and then, you know, going through a tough time, right? We did take him out of the lineup. He wasn't playing great. And, um, you know, it's plus minus in those games and uh, that stretch in the season. I mean, it just wasn't very high. Um, but you're absolutely right. We don't win a game in that tournament without Daniel Sackey. And what he was able to do, really, when we started bringing him off the bench, I mean, the pace that he brings, the emotion, the intensity he brings, um, if you're not ready to match that, you're in trouble. Um, he can put you in a, in a pace of a game that um, it can be pretty uncomfortable for people. And especially a lot of the Valley, right? They like to set it up, run their action. And then all of a sudden, you got Daniel Sackey picking you up 94 feet. And then, holy crud, he just got a rebound. And now he's flying up the court. And um, so uh, for him to take that next step, though, is just, it's just pace, you know, picking your moments. Um, and, and he's done a great job of that. I mean, he's very comfortable leading our team, very comfortable in our offense, uh, very comfortable in our defense. His voice is well heard. I mean, he's, he's just, he's an upperclassman now. I think he's just confident in what we were trying to do. Speaking of not winning a game in the tournament, Aaron Gordon hits the game winner mm-hmm. against Loyola. And I'll tell you, as someone who loves college basketball, Middle of April, middle of May, it'd be like, God, I'm kind of feeling, I haven't left the house in two months. I'm, I'm de- bored. I'm depressed. I'm going to watch the last five minutes of Loyola game. And it just, it, it was like, it was fun. It was just fun to watch. And, and what is, what does Aaron bring? Um, is, is, first of all, what's his health status? Cause I know that he struggled a lot with that last year. Yeah. So, um, no, thank you for saying that. You know, Aaron for, um, really the first half of last year, um, you know, had a, had a knee issue um, and was playing through pain. Um, I'd say he's finally healthy, and um, he's been shooting the ball great, uh, passing great, and defending great. I mean, Aaron's, Aaron's going to have a good senior year, um, and, and we're excited about it. So, yeah, that moment was special. I mean, you're not the only one that watched the game a couple times. I watched <laughs> it a couple times, too. 
And a guy that wasn't out there, and and you kind of, you know, forget with all the run that you went on that Nick Robinson was out with with I think a back, and 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 he's he's back for his senior year. Uh, he just put on Instagram not too long ago he's gonna be a father. That's exciting. Um, I, I would imagine that that mentally recalibrates him a little bit. Um, just what what do you see from now a guy who has been through the fires four years in college and and gets to come back as a senior leader? Yeah, you know it's um, um, you know it's gonna be um, you know hopefully Nick can stay healthy, right? That's been just kind of the um, um, the issue with him. Um, but you know Nick's a very versatile player um, that can do a lot on the basketball floor and. Um, we just got to get him out on the basketball floor and, and playing the right way. And if he does that, he can be a big, big contributor for us. And I feel like, you know, we've, we've talked about five or six guys already, and we haven't talked about Mr. Valpo, Malik McMillan, mm-hmm. you know, the guy who is kind of be, you know, has, has grown into this con- consistent, you know, he's just been around for a long time. Now you think of four year players and they're so, they don't happen very much in college basketball mm-hmm. anymore. And here's a guy who has, has uh, has taken some strides and and I remember going into the conference tournament I wrote a long piece about him about how he was you know he was taking some big steps and, and what have you seen from Malik in this offseason now well uh, you know like you would expect from any senior I think um, leadership's been big um, his voice has been big uh, his work ethic um, holds people accountable um, and you know as we look at last year, you know, you look at Malik and he averaged what, almost 10 points a game, I mean, just under, and, but he did in 18 minutes. I mean, and a lot of times he was out of the game because he did in foul trouble. So, like, the big thing is is just teaching Malik, let's play without fouling, um, and let's continue to get better at what we, what we already had success with. And, and he's done a good job of that. I mean, I can tell you just from talking to coaches, his ability to stretch the floor I mean, it, it, it is hard for coaches to game plan for that. I mean, he shot, I think, 42% in conference from three. Um, you know, that stuff's tough. And so, uh, you know, keep him doing that and, and getting him on the block and then getting him not to foul. And uh, we got a heck of a player. We talked about Donovan and Ben. They had such huge impact as freshmen. Then you had another pair of freshmen, Sigurd and Emil, who kind of, you know, unknowns a little bit you know Sigurd was 60 percent from three you know six of ten so it's kind of an inflated 60 percent but and then he's out and he's hurt and Emil you know there were there were some moments there I don't remember which game it was but he came in and gave you some great minutes and then there were times when he was sitting with the fans in the stands you know and not getting in just what what have you seen from these two guys thus far in, in the offseason first you got them back here right that was a challenge yeah, to get them back yeah. from Europe right yeah I know that that was a big challenge they, they both went home and they should have right they um, went home and then but getting them back I mean the, the Canadians were able to get across the border pretty easily um, talk about Ben and Daniel and then that was much more challenging uh, for the Europeans but got them back they quarantined um, you know Sigurd uh, was dealing with a little bit of a hip um, been moving better for sure, um, and he can shoot the lights out. And he's been shooting the ball great in practice. Um, Emil, you know, the challenge to him, the whole offseason was like, you gotta get bigger, you gotta be stronger. And, and he's about 255 pounds right now. Oof. He's gained weight, he is strong and pretty skilled. And, you know, like you said, there were moments last year, um, you know, we have a saying around the office, that he's never disappointed. I mean, every time we put him in a game, he is he has done what we've asked him to do. and. Um, I'll give you an example of practice the other day. You know, we're running our motion, so Emil's out on the perimeter. They skip it to him, 
Okay. I mean, and my five man steps in and shoots a three and it, it didn't go in, but it looked like it was going to go in the next play. He back screens. He steps out to the three. They skip it to him again. He takes two dribbles left. It was a left-handed bounce pass into good news. Lays it in. I mean, it, you know, there's just not a lot of guys his size um, uh, with his mobility that can do stuff like that. So um, he he's been playing great, and you know, the added bulk has really benefited him. Um, and um, we're excited about him. So again, we're looking at. I'm just kind of thinking the roster in my head. I'm going to probably miss somebody. Yep. Um, you want to talk about guys that are our age. Stephen Helm is on the team. You know, he's kind of, he's he's been around for a long time. Uh, you know, age wise, you know, he played at Carroll and, and Montana. I think he went on his mission. He was yep. here for a year. All of that. Um, I, I I will say this. I, I texted you this. I was walking through and and watched a bit of a practice, and there was a team of Helm, Sigurd, and Saki. I think that was. I mean, they were lightning fast. Yep. I, th- I think it was those. Guys. I know Helm and Sigurd were definitely together. Um, he's a walk-on, but he feels like yeah. kind of more of a Kaiserish walk-on as opposed to, uh, yeah. you know. Yeah. Now nah, he's um, so you know taking a two-year break, um, you know, for a mission. You, you'd expect a guy to be a little bit more out of shape and things like that. He's just he just hasn't been. I think his body's kind of built like that. I mean, he's a fantastic athlete, right? He's um, and so, uh, you know, the one thing that he can do, right, that a lot of times you question from, well, can he guard at our level? He can guard at our level. Um, doesn't turn the ball over um, a lot. Um, still, you know, probably a little loose with it right now, but but we'll get better. Um, can hit an open three and, and can knock all his free throws in. Um, and so, you know, we're not viewing him as a walk-on at all. Um, you know, we expect him to compete for minutes and, and he can earn. Looking at some of the newcomers, you have guys who, at least according to their Instagram pages, are living in the gym. Mm-hmm. There isn't a day that Sheldon Edwards isn't posting a video of him at one in the morning in the gym and then at eight in the morning back in the gym. You know, like these guys, he feels like just I see him because he's a bit more pronounced on social media than some of the other guys. They feel like gym rats. Is yeah. that is that what you're seeing? They are 100 percent gym rats. I mean, it's. Um, we've really brought the last two classes, and I'm not you know, saying our seniors and our juniors aren't, but the last two classes are absolute gym rats. I mean, they are they are in the gym all the time, um, and they love basketball. It's 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 a lot of fun to be around, and you know their heads spinning a little bit right now. They're just you know doing a lot of different stuff, and you know having to make that adjustment to the college game. But um, you know when you're a gym rat, you're gonna get better, and we're really excited all those guys in the program. I mean, they were names on paper for a long time for a lot of the Valpo fans. Um, then they get here. You look at the numbers that Jacob put up in high school, and those are video game numbers, you know. Um, what does he have to do to kind of – I mean, the level of competition, obviously, probably for him more than any other, is going to be a bigger jump up. Some of these other guys play prep school. I'm sure they've got a bit of a different experience than even a typical high school senior what what do you need to see from from maybe a guy like Jacob to make this transition? Well, you know, I'll focus on what he's done already, right? There's um, when Jacob is open, he scores. I mean, he, he really, and you know, I think Sigurd's one of the better shooters I've ever been around. Ryan Fazeka is those guys. I mean, in, in a shooting drill, you could put Jacob up against any of them. I mean, he really, when he is open, the ball goes in. 
um, you know, the, the adjustment for him right now, um, you know, he's always been the biggest guy in high school. I mean, we, we just had this conversation yesterday. Um, you know, he was just standing in the middle of the lane and don't foul, right? Play off your guy. Now, all right, we want you in the perimeter. We want you in the passing lane. We want you to do all this. And it's just foreign to him. But in a week's time, he's gotten a lot better at it. And so um, he's a good player. And um, he's, he's proven in a, in a really short amount of time he belongs at this level. And so, um, you know, his big thing is just how well he's going to adjust to what we're asking him to do. I don't think the adjustment period is going to be that long. I mean, I, I really think, um, you know, he's in the mix to, to, to compete for some minutes. Good news bounced around mm -hmm. to a couple different schools. And then you've got Connor and you've got Sheldon who went the prep route. My experience, and I've, you know, you've got more than I do, is that guys that go to the prep route carry a different kind of chip on their shoulder a little bit. Like they were overlooked in the recruiting process, or for some reason they went in an atypical way. Um, does does that can that chip on the shoulder be a good thing? I guess. Well, I don't think it really can be a bad thing, right? Um, you know, the, the prep school route, yeah, you can get overlooked, um, but you also get an extra year. Um, typically play against pretty good competition and, and mature. I mean, so they're a year older than a typical freshman. I mean, Sheldon, pretty you know, um, old for, for being a freshman, so is Connor, um, you know, different than Jacob. And, and, and you know, and, you, know you look at uh, Connor's case, I mean, he's, he was on a prep school team that won the national championship, right? So not only was he you know, playing against good competition, but he was practicing against good competition mm -hmm. um, every day. And, um, and then Sheldon was, um, you know, we saw him in a couple high, high-level tournaments and, and putting up big numbers. And so, um, you know, that's, and that's huge. You know, they're a little more probably, um, they made a little bit more of an adjustment just because of the, the talent level that they've had to compete in um, every day. Um, and then, you know, you mentioned good news. I mean, good news yeah, bounced around. But I, I bet you if you ask him, he feels like he has a home. And he is... Um, he, we knew he was a good player when we got him. He's been better um, than we thought he'd be, for sure. I think I've gone through most of them. Zion is another guy that had bounced around a little bit and somebody that... Uh, that... Zion's been playing great. Yes, been playing great. And then you have a whole extra unit of walk-ons <laughs> this year. You know, when we talk about Steve for a second, you're kind of not viewed in that group, but you've got Brock, you've got Luke, you've got Tyler... I, I, do you have another one? I, I, I don't know if there's. I, I, we've got we've got everybody there. Um, I, it feels like, and you know, you're seeing practice squads in the NFL have grown. You're seeing all the, but you were you you had this in place even before COVID. Why why the inflated roster? Well, um, honestly, the what we do offensively, right? I, I think is 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 different maybe than what other people are doing. So, um, you know, the, the best way to practice, right, you, you know, play offense against your offense, play defense against your defense. And, um, but what we wanted to do is, you know, maybe we could, you know, think of a way to instill more traditional offense. You know, like people are running a lot of ball screens these days. Well, we're not setting as many ball screens as other people. So, um, you know, if we could have a practice squad that could go in and, you know, be ready and good players and they could, you know, run another team's action, um, we thought that that'd be beneficial and would reduce reps maybe for some of our guys. And, you know, we've had, we've been banged up the last couple of years and, um, you know, but we 
you know, they, we still wanted to get better every single day. So we, you know, asking guys to be in reps all the time. And I just think there's been huge value um, that having extra walk-ons is, is added. And um, you know, I don't think I'd, I'd change it. I think this uh, this almost wraps up our time. I want to ask one other thing, and I, I don't even really know how how you can if you can comment on this. But CBS Sports guy John Rothstein tweeted out in the middle of the summer, Matt Lotta got a contract extension at Valpo. What are you telling him? I didn't say anything. Oh, you didn't. I will just say how you know uh, being here, knowing that you know you guys are building something here. You've brought in your you know your guys this is your roster obviously it has been for a couple of years now but just it, it feels like well, this that was the first year these are all guys yeah yeah last year was the first yeah year. yeah last year so it feels like with the run you went on having a little bit of clarity on that sense it feels like the seeds are being planted for the next era or run of, of group and i guess just if you can i, I know that it's not been announced or anything like that, but if you can just kind of touch on the future and, and the, the state and future of where you see the program right now. You know, I think that, um, you, know, when, you know, I think way back to when I took the job, right? And I took the job and, you know, four open scholarships and, you know, having to fill those, being a rookie head coach. I mean, there was just a lot that was... Um, um, that we had to do really quickly. And sometimes when you make quick decisions like that, um, you know, might not be the best decisions all the time. And so, um, you know, taking a step back, you know, seeing where the program had, had kind of gotten. Um, and I've said this, you know, right when it felt like everything was falling apart, I thought it was coming together. Yeah. And, um, you know, so being able to, to step back, analyze, okay, what do we want our program to look like? And when I say our, I mean, um, you know, I'm not a dictator type leader, right? I get input from, from my staff. Um, I get input from, you know, our, my boss. Um, and so, uh, you ask the media every once in a while too, which sure. I always appreciate. Yeah. <laughs> and, and just, um, taking a step back, understanding, okay. Um, you know, this is what we want our program to look like. Um, these are the type of people that, um, you know, we think would be and thrive in, in our type of environment, our type of culture, our institution, and and just, you know, go after those guys and build it the way we want to build it. And, um, you know, we could have taken a shortcut maybe, you know, two years ago and not brought in some freshmen and done some things and tried to grad transfer it and do all that kind of stuff. But I just didn't think that that was the right thing to do. And so, you know, now we're just you know, trying to continue to add Valpo people. And, um, and I think we've done a good job of that. And, um, so we're going to keep trying to move forward with it. And again, you know, from a personally, does this place fit me? Absolutely. I mean, I love it here. Um, I love everything about it. Um, I love, uh, my family loves it. I love being a part of this community and, um, you know, wanted to be here. So final question. We don't know if and when fans are going to be allowed in games. Uh, certainly, you know, some NFLs have done it, you know, those have been outdoor places. <laughs> If if it can't happen, they're going to have to watch the games other ways, I guess. But but is and not knowing when you'll see the fans next, is there a message you want to leave to the fan base or say anything to the to the Valpo fans who have been? I know they hit me up all the time. When's the next episode of Union Street Hoops coming out? Well, I'm glad it's coming out now. But but for you, I guess, what message would you say to the Valpo fan base? You know, just that we understand how hard this time's been for everyone, and. 
you know, we appreciate the support and the guys that we have um, are working really hard. We're really proud to be a Balpo. And so um, if and when, you know, they allow fans back in, we want you guys to come. Uh, take your frustration for not being able to do a lot of stuff. Take it out on the refs and the opposing <laughs> team. And let's go get some wins. Valparaiso coach Matt Lodick, thank you very much for joining us on Union Street Hoops. 